1: Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope that your week went well, and that you were able to use some of what we talked about last week, which was all things about relationship, relationship one oh one. And so I want to start again with that wonderful verse that I that I really found that I love, and this is uh, Matthew five thirty six. Through forty-two, And it's the Message Bible, which is a very contemporary um, rendition of the Bible. And so this is entitled Empty Promises. And it says, don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it or saying it or saying, hey, God be with you and not really meaning it. So you don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. So just say yes and no. I love this part. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. So I love that guidance and and the way that that really helps us understand what God is wanting us to do and how to really do relationships well. And so I want you to think about if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, if you've never read the Bible, I would recommend you start with that because it is wisdom that is unprecedented and I'm always learning from it and I always get more out of it and so I've come across this particular chapter in Proverbs, and it's in 26. And it has some really amazing words for us when it comes to how we talk and how we relate. And I like this idea because God is very clear about what he's wanting us to do. And he wants us to really understand what actually works. And so think about this idea that You know you don't answer a fool according to his folly or you yourself will be just like him right and sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison these are really important things to take to heart to understand that when we start to really depend on our own intellect solely and not having any type of, of guidance, whether it be therapeutic guidance, whether it be ed- educational guidance, um, religious guidance from whomever. It's really important that we understand that we are kind of cutting ourselves off, right? right? And, and really making it more difficult for us to figure out how to do life. So think about this. The words of gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts. So you know what that's kind of like saying to us? When it's the innermost parts, that means, you know, our stomach, our our bowels. Well, what it's kind of telling us is that the words of gossip are like choice morsels. So it's similar to thinking that gossip is like candy. Gossip is like cake. Gossip is all those things that if they were actually given to us as food, would cause us to gain a lot of weight and mess up our whole internal system. So this is where we want to be careful about what are we actually saying to people. How about this? As a dog returns to his vomit, so the fool repeats his folly. Do you find yourself doing that? Do you not learn from what went wrong yesterday, or last year, or while you were growing up? Are you someone that is wise enough and humble enough to learn? So when we talked about Relationships 101, if you didn't get to hear last week, I'm going to just go over some of the bullet points that we talked about. And that's the first one is acceptance, the key to all my problems. And we talked about acceptance does not necessarily mean agreement. So I can accept some things I don't agree with. And that's one of the ways I live at peace with others. I like the intimacy I feel when I'm on the same page with someone. And so I strive to accept and agree. But there are times when I'm interacting with different individuals, and I'm sure it's the same when they're interacting with me, but they accept a lot of ideas I might have, a lot of things I might say. They may not agree with them. But we can still live at peace. So I... How about this? I can love people I don't like. And this is a primary, primary foundational understanding when it comes to relationships. That there's a lot of people we love, but we may not like them. We may not want to spend a whole bunch of time with them. But if they needed our help, we would help them, which is an act of love. Now, this one is very important. Feelings are very real, but not always true. And that's a tough one to wrap your mind around, because what we feel, really, that's kind of our reality. But reality sometimes isn't actually what we think it is. And we come to find that if we get more information or time, that what we thought was really true was only very real. It was real in the moment, but it didn't last. So always remember that truth lasts. It doesn't change reality is an experience and it often changes how many times have you had a great experience with someone and the next time you're interacting with them it's not that great well does it make it real or true it's real it's real that hey it didn't really work this time but is it true that we're not good for one another i don't know maybe we need to take some time and figure it out give it some time so this one's really important When I'm talking to people about really having a handle on your own behavior, your own mouth, your own mind, and what you are actually doing and saying. And so I say to people, unless there's blood, broken bones, someone's not breathing, or fire, we always have time. And I'm always, always encouraging people to take time. Take advantage of time. See, I can get my feelings really hurt by someone and say to myself, I'm not going to lash out right now. I'm going to give this some time and think about it. And maybe tomorrow I might just go, you know, it's not, worth, it's not worth me talking to them about. Or tomorrow I might feel like I better talk to them about this or I'm going to want to end the relationship. So I gave it some time and I decided that I need to talk about it. So this is why this is very important that you don't go through life thinking that the only moment you have is the last one you'll ever have and you have to get it all done in that one moment we have time and so I want you to think about this check things out first before you assume it's true we hear a lot of things from a lot of people don't we and they can sound very convincing we listen to the radio we watch television We hear gossip at the office. We hear our families talk about other family members, and we go, wow, I didn't know that. And we assume it's true. Well, we want to check things out. We want to say, you know, that that doesn't sound like that person. Maybe I need to give them a call and just say, hey, I I want to check this out with you. Maybe we need to just say, you know, I'm going to give it some time. And if it surfaces, then I guess it's true, and maybe I do need to address it. But I'm going to check things out as best as I can before I make an assumption or make it actually true when I might not have enough information. So we're going to also use the sandwich approach when we talk to people. And that means positive. I say a positive and then I say the negative that I'm wanting to confront them on and I leave it with a positive. So it's as simple as saying, you know, I know you really care a lot about me and when you take a message and don't give it to me, and then I don't know that I had a message I needed to return to, I feel really upset. And I know you would never purposefully do that. So in the future, I want to make sure that I get my messages. It's really, really important to me. And that helps instead of just starting with a, con- with a confrontation. So let's think about this. Forgiveness. Forgiveness and judgment. Currently in our society, we are so judgmental, it's, it's almost, uh, I can't even breathe. It's, there's so much judgment. And the judgment is based only truly really on feelings. So whenever you make a judgment based on a feeling, you need to be careful if you start making choices as a result. Because the judgment you may find to not be accurate. So I want you to be very careful about judgment and what your initial response or understanding or opinion is of something you might want to give it some time before you actually believe the judgment you're making and we want to really work on forgiveness and i mean you forgiving you because the more that i'm willing to forgive myself the easier it is for me to forgive others so i have to work on forgiving and recognize again that forgiveness does not mean it's okay. Forgiveness doesn't make a bad thing a good thing. If it needs to be forgiven, it obviously is not right. So when I'm forgiving myself, I'm doing exactly what God has done for the entire universe from the beginning of time until today. He's forgiving. He's giving us time to get it right. So when I forgive someone... I'm giving them the gift of time to fix it, to not do it again, to work on it. If they don't take it seriously, then I might need to say, you know, maybe I need to reevaluate the relationship. Maybe I'm too close to someone that is not necessarily safe. So I'm so glad that you joined me today. And in this next segment, we are going to talk about actually family systems and what kind of family system you may have. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. If you are just tuning in, make sure that you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com or your favorite podcast server, and we are probably on that as well. So they're easy to find. Just type in Conversations with Cynthia, and that's Cynthia with an I, -I -I C-I-N-T-H-I-A. And you can listen to, oh my goodness, we have years of podcasts for you. So today, we are really talking again about relationships. Last week, we talked about Relationship 101. And so this is kind of what I do in my office every day. And this is where we're really learning that, hey, these are the ground, these are the, the, the base parts of relationships. If I get the platform of my relationship strong... It can handle a lot of life. If I try to do it from the top down, I'm never going to get it right. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to be chaos. So we want to make sure that we have foundational truths that are supporting us, steering us, and directing us as we do the intricacy of relationships. So we left off talking about relationship 101 and you can get that also that handout um, is available on the website as well So let's talk about different types of families because the family style that you came from has a direct bearing on how you relate So we either have a nurturing family Or dysfunctional family now, obviously this is not an either or Because this is kind of on a continuum. So how nurturing was my family of origin, and how dysfunctional was my family of origin. Now, all families are dysfunctional. We understand this. It's been going on since Adam and Eve, right? So when we think about a nurturing family, what does that look like? And many of us may not even know what a nurturing family would look like and may have never experienced any real nurturing So one of the first things you want to understand is if you are in a nurturing relationship, you're free to talk about your inside feelings. You feel safe. Not always super confident. It's kind of scary to talk about our feelings. But you feel safe. So one of the things that that clients know when they come to talk with me is that it's very safe to tell me what's going on inside of them. Very safe to tell me what they've done. And so it doesn't mean I'm going to agree with what they've done and be a cheerleader and say, hey, go do that some more. What it means is that they are safe to tell me so that they can work on it. So when people feel free to talk about the inside, the intimacy always goes up. And then we have to recognize that part of that safety of talking about what what my inside feelings are is that all feelings are okay. And I remind people that, you know, we don't choose our feelings. If I could choose my feelings, I'd be happy all the time. And so all the feelings that we have are okay. All the actions that we engage in may not be. So feelings many times generate action. Sometimes we're not even aware that that process occurred. So we have to be very careful with the feelings that we have. We want to honor the feelings. We want to be able to talk about the feelings, but we want to be careful when we act on a feeling. Part of being an adult is being able to say, I better take a pause. I better maybe just sit on this for a minute because if I act right now, it's going to be a bloodbath. So I better get a handle on my feeling first, maybe check it out, give it some time, talk it out with a safe person so that I can get maybe some perspective on it. And I can take advantage of time so that I don't just explode, then find out information, then feel like a jerk maybe, and have to apologize. So I want you to really practice that self-control of saying, hey, I can hear anybody's feelings. They may not be true, right? So people can feel toward me like I'm, I'm uh, I don't know, a really mean person. Well, it's just not true. Everybody knows it's not true. But maybe I told them something or said something to them that hurt. So they've now decided I'm mean. Well, they might want to check that out. So how about this? All subjects are open for discussion. Now, that's a tough one. Because if we're not ready for it, and if we're not adult enough, we can quickly have an argument. Because both people want to convince the other of whatever that subject is. So we have to say, am I open to an actual discussion? Or am I going toward that event as a debater? Or I'm doing it as a competition that I'm going to win. So if I want to really have an open conversation and discussion about something, I have to be willing to listen I have to be willing to pause. I have to be willing to take some time and say, you know what? I don't like what I'm hearing. I completely disagree with everything that person is saying, and I need to wait. I need to take some time, listen to what they're saying, and if I'm getting too worked up, too offended, too, um, I, whatever, that, whatever that feeling may be that it's like I'm getting disgusted, then you might want to say, I need a timeout. I'm not handling this well. Can we please take a time out? I need to reset. How about this? A nurturing family, each person is responsible for their own actions. Now, that doesn't mean that we condemn people for what they've done, but we do hold them accountable. That's super important when you want to honor another person is that you hold them accountable for their actions. We give them the opportunity to change them if they so want to or to apologize for them Or to explain them so they understand better why you chose that action. That's what discussion is about. That's the, the freedom to discuss. So we're very careful about criticism. But we also make sure that we have appropriate consequences for people's actions. That means positive too. If someone does something positive, a positive action toward me, and I ignore it, well, that's not okay. So if it's a negative action and I ignore it, that might not be okay either. So consider, wow, I need to be respectful and I need to do criticism respectfully. And I also need to have appropriate consequences for people's actions. And I want to really drive this next point home. We want to have very few shoulds, musts, ought to. This this is super important in relationships. If I should someone to death, shoulding all over them, right? You should do this. You should do that. You should like this person. You shouldn't talk like that, think like that, act like that, dress like that. We want to be careful about shoulds. We want to be careful about must. You must respect me. You must like me. This is important that we try to not do so many absolutes. If you think about the Bible... You know, we, we have a whole entire trans, trans, um, a whole entire transference, as we see from beginning to end, of how God finally really narrowed it down to one should. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the one should that God left us with. Now, we can use the Ten Commandments as shoulds. They're helpful. They're helpful guides. But we want to be careful about the amount of guilt, shame that we give to someone when we are shoulding them to death. So in that, we want to make sure that we have flexible rules other than danger, right? So we want to be flexible, flexible in understanding people, flexible in our judgment, flexible in how much of a story we create about someone's actions. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about nurturing versus dysfunctional families. Well, this is Conversations with Cynthia, and I am Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, you can certainly go to the website or to your favorite podcast server and just type in Conversations with Cynthia, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. And all the other ones that we have, we have years of shows. So you can really take advantage of those, and I appreciate it so much when you do. So today we're, we're doing this next half hour on understanding families and nurturing families versus um, dysfunctional families and what are characteristics and how codependency may occur sometimes. And so we left off talking about the difference between a nurturing family versus a dysfunctional family. And so nurturing families, some of the characteristics would be that they have clear but flexible rules. Now, when I say flexible, there obviously are always going to be some that are non negotiable, okay? And so we have to, but we're not talking about those. We're talking about lifestyle, how we live with one another. So we want to be flexible. So, so and so didn't, I don't know, put the seat down on the toilet. Okay, if they do it every single day, I may need to talk to them about it. But one time, two times, I can get over it, right? I can be flexible about that rule. How about the rule of, you know, if you know, people sometimes drink the milk and they leave like three drops left in it and don't throw it away. Can I be flexible about that and just say, you know, I'll throw it away myself? But that still is the expectation because we have to have, you know, those lane lines in our relationships, especially when we're living with people. So we want to have clear but flexible rules. And if you want to change the word from rule to expectation, that works as well that gives us an atmosphere that can be far more relaxed. One of the most important things, when it comes to home, we want to be able to feel safe and relaxed in our own home. This is how we make that happen. People need safety. They need to be able to let down. They need to be able to be who they are and not be performing all the time. So in a nurturing family, we have an atmosphere that's relaxed until it's not. And the only time we're not relaxed is blood, broken bones, nobody's breathing fire, right? We're not going to relax with that. Otherwise, we can be pretty relaxed and make sure that people are parenting and managing themselves, that we hold them accountable for that. So if the atmosphere is more relaxed, we're going to have more joy. It's going to be a joyous place. We're going to face and work through stress, If someone goes against what we know is a family rule, a family expectation, we can work through it. We can face it, work through it. If someone has a catastrophic mistake, if we have that kind of foundation, we can actually support, still hold accountable, still allow for appropriate um, consequences, but love the person in the process versus having it be an all or nothing situation. So what happens? Then people have energy. They feel loving. Growth in a family is celebrated. Experimentation is celebrated. Trying to figure out new ways and new things and taking on new endeavors and having the courage to do it is celebrated. People have a high feeling of worth, -worth, self-worth, self-esteem. And this is very integral to humans being the best version that they can be. So when we look at dysfunctional families, and all of us have them because we come from imperfect people, and and I know that we have imperfection that goes way back. So we're going to talk about this in the next segment, this idea of how do you identify a dysfunctional family? And I want you to be very careful when you hear this that you don't start grading yourself or your own family. This is simply information to help us have a life that is better, happier, more joyous, more peaceful, less stressful, and that we actually get what we need from the people that we love, and they get from us what they need. And that's why we want to look at the inverse, like, okay, so what's the opposite of a nurturing family? What does a dysfunctional family look like? And these are always able to be changed, That's what's so amazing about humans is that they can always learn, always grow, and always change. And so when we talk about this, we want to really think about the the one main thing about a dysfunctional family system is that there's like certain feelings are okay. Only certain feelings. Because feelings are the thing that affect us so much that we will many times tolerate really bad behaviors as long as we can feel okay. And if they're nice to us, even if they're doing bad things, if we feel better, we will tolerate worse behavior. So we need to be careful about our tolerance and how dysfunctional the family system that we're in is and what we can do to change it. This is Cynthia I with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about families. Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and your favorite podcast server. We're probably on all of them at this point. Thank you to my amazing assistant, Amy. She has done this for years for me and she even writes study guides for the, the shows as well. So if you want to listen to it and have it be a little bit more comprehensive, you can download one of the study guides and listen to the show with a group, with yourself, with a, with a friend. And, and it really helps because it helps to talk through it as well. So we left off in that last segment talking about the opposite of a nurturing family, which is a dysfunctional family. Now, we all have them. If you've ever read the Bible those families, uh, (laughs) we have some pretty dysfunctional families throughout the Bible, and we understand that that's a great example of just the human condition, that it's tough, it's really tough, and as much as we can love people, we don't always love them well, and we don't always receive love well, so we left off talking about that one of the hallmarks of a highly dysfunctional family is that only certain feelings are okay. So you may be in a family that you're only allowed to be happy all the time. You're never allowed to cry. That you're not ever allowed to be angry. But maybe you have a family where you're allowed to be angry and and let everybody know you're in a bad mood. But God forbid you're happy. Like people are going to shame you or make fun of you or think it's fake. Maybe judge you for it. So it's very odd when you think about the fact that certain feelings feel comfortable for certain systems. So I want you to think about that when you are considering your family or the family that you came from or the family that you're wanting to create. So we also find in dysfunctional families that performance is more important important than the person. And that means that if you're doing the right things, then we're we're more interested in you doing the right thing and looking the right way, acting the right way, than we are about who you are truly as a person which means that many of us have grown up in families where we felt like who we are isn't acceptable. So we're going to find out who our family wants us to be so that we can have less compromise, less trouble, less rejection. We'll have people not angry with us as often. And so we kind of start to morph who we think we really are or want to be in order to have peace in the system. Now, we do this oftentimes on jobs. And, and some of that, you know, that's just life because we get to leave our job and go home. So we want our home to be safe. So we want to, to feel like who I am as a person is more important than if I perform perfectly. If I look perfect, talk perfect, act perfect, I want to really be loved more for who I am, even if it's not good sometimes. So we also find in dysfunctional families that there are many taboo subjects and maybe lots and lots of secrets. I don't know about you, but you may have found out maybe at someone's funeral a whole bunch of secrets you didn't know anything about. You may have found out after the grandfather died or the grandmother passed or the aunt or the great aunt or the cousin. Wow, there's all this stuff. I didn't know anything about them because the subject was taboo. So we were wanting to give the world and each other the idea that we're all perfect. And so we usually also have to conform to the strongest person's ideas, values, and and there's lots of control and lots of criticism. So we may feel that we're not really allowed to figure out who we are or what comes natural for us or what I want to pursue because maybe the family has this idea of what each family member is supposed to look like. And so if I veer from that, I might get lots of criticism or rejection or confrontation. So there is also in dysfunctional families, probably more punishment, more shaming and more blaming because we're trying to survive. So instead of feeling safe or confident or good about myself because I take responsibility for a mistake I make, I want to blame somebody. I want to cast shame on somebody else. I want to point out someone else's problems so to get some of the attention off of me. And so we have unclear and and many times inconsistent and rigid rules. So we find that there's some rule that we have that we're trying to obey and we find out that another family member doesn't have to follow that rule for some reason or that the rule gets changed without me even knowing the rule was changed. And so we many times have these moving parts all the time. So we're not really sure if, you know, it's kind of shifting sand, if what we're standing on as assumptions is accurate. So we also have a pretty tense atmosphere versus the relaxed atmosphere of a nurturing family. We have lots of anger and lots of fear because nobody's sure if they're allowed to be who they are. Nobody's sure if they're still going to be loved if they make mistakes. Nobody's sure if they can actually take a risk and talk about a feeling like I'm afraid or or I'm hurt or I'm disappointed. Or, you know, I don't like myself and I'm afraid other people don't like me either. And maybe it's a disaster if you've tried to talk about that before. So there's also this big avoidance of stress, which actually creates more of it. I'm sure that is kind of self-explanatory. That if I avoid stress, I get more stress because I have a bunch of things that are undone and unattended to. And I also feel weaker because I'm avoiding hard things. So people then feel very tired. This is a very exhausting system to belong to. So you may be listening to the show and saying, well, my family's not really like that, but my work is like that. Or my church is like that. Or this is what my neighborhood feels like. Well, that's what my country feels like, right? So you, you may understand that, wow, I have a little, a little spot here in my family that we don't do that. But the outside world, when I walk out the door, it's very dysfunctional. And so we have to be careful about boundaries. That I say, well, that, you know, that, that's one of the nice things that God has done for us. He wants us to have a safe place to go so that we regenerate so that we we heal from woundedness that maybe the world does to us and we don't integrate it and think it's about us. That we have a place that gives us some solitude, that is relaxed, that we can let down, that we can heal so that we go back out into that dysfunctional world and we don't get as beat up as we otherwise might. But see, if we have that dysfunctional world as our home, then it makes it really tough when we go out into the external world because we're going to feel like we have no safe place. So I want you to think about that. If you're feeling like you have no safe place, this is imperative that you speak with someone, you pray to God about whoever God is to you to say, I need to have inside of me safety. How can I be safe with me and not be permissive? How can I be safe with myself and trust myself? and feel like I'm my own best friend and I've got my own back because that helps us in a highly dysfunctional world. And especially if we have, you know, dysfunctional families, which we all do to one degree or another. So we want to make sure that we are growing and that we're not just surviving. And this is really imperative because sometimes we get confused as to the difference of growing and surviving because sometimes the growth process can feel like surviving I know that I could feel like that. I did sports when I was uh, growing up, and it could feel like I'm surviving the practice, right? But actually what it's doing is it's helping to strengthen me. So we want to make sure that as you are growing, that you're not actually just surviving, because that growth process then will kind of grow sideways. How about this? People have low self-worth, right? I could do a whole show on that, and I have. I want you to understand that your worth is not from what you do. Your worth is not from who you know. Your worth is not about your appearance. Your worth is not about your intelligence. Your worth is about the fact that you were created by a God who chose to make you. And he's very glad he did. Even if you feel like nobody else is, your worth is inherent it's intrinsic. And I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe three, four weeks ago, we did a whole entire section, a whole entire process on that idea of your guaranteed value. And I want you to understand that your value is guaranteed. Think about the, the help that you would give someone that you don't even know. If, if you came up with a car accident, you wouldn't just drive away, you'd help in what way was appropriate for you. Not because you knew them, but because they're human. This is why when when we have wars, that we are very, very committed to wanting even the fallen soldiers. We want their remains to come back. To come back home, because that's the worth we put on human life. Prisons that have to to, uh, inflict the death sentence on somebody, get in great trouble if they don't do it right. And this could be one of the most heinous criminals the earth has ever seen. But because he's a human or she's a human, we do it appropriately. And we still value the fact that they're human. So when we have low self-worth, low self-esteem, we many times are highly critical of ourselves because there's this weird kind of, I don't know, it's it's deep in our inmost being that thinks that if we criticize that maybe that will encourage us to be better. Uh, You know, I wish criticism worked. It's so easy to do. But criticism has not ever helped someone heal or become a better person. What it does is it creates defense mechanisms. And if you are highly critical of yourself, you are exhausting yourself. You are going to be so tired and so overly sensitive because everything's going to hurt. So this doesn't mean that that I, I make bad things good. I know when I've crossed the line. I know when I've sinned. I know when I've transgressed someone. I know when I've done the wrong thing. It's not rocket science. But I have to forgive myself because I live with myself all the time. So I have to forgive myself. And this is one of the most important things that you could do is forgive you because that gives you the energy and that gives you the courage to do it differently next time. So forgiveness and acceptance are huge for humans. So I want you to think about this today. And if you have a lot of things you feel like you have to forgive or you have to get over, or if you're just mad and so now you're militant, you're like, I don't care. This is just the way that I am. Whatever that may be. I want you to understand that you still are, are worth so much. You are worth people losing their life over, regardless of what you think you offer. So the more that you can take that thought in and say, you know, I can understand that thought. I can understand that statement. I don't know if I can take it in and actually believe it. So all I want you to do today is just to say, I'm going to take one little step and actually believe that maybe that's true. Maybe it actually is true that I am worth more than what I do. I am worth more than what I own. I am worth more than how I look and I'm worth more than who I know because my worth is given to me at the moment of conception so you are worth a lot and I want you to act like it I want you to enjoy yourself as much as many people do I have a lot of people that enjoy me I don't always enjoy myself sometimes I really get on my own nerves but that has nothing to do with my worth and value so God bless you today and I'm so glad you were born and I want you to enjoy yourself as much as God does Thank you for listening to today and I'll join you next week as we talk more about this idea of relationships, families, spouses, all those wonderful things that we like to do. Have a great day.
0: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com.